Okay. Hi, I am Luca and welcome to a new episode of the Coffee Breakdown podcast. Uh, today we have uh, Professor Vasco Guerra from the University of Lisbon with us. And Vasco is one of the experts of plasma modeling, uh, kinetic theory, and many more topics. And I would like to thank you, Vasco, for uh, joining us and accepting the invitation. No, thank you. Thank you, me. Thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. Actually, we met uh, many times in, in person. We had, a, I think, very nice discussion from my point of view. So I'm really looking forward to talk with you. Um, so in this episode, um, some of the main topics uh, will be the conversion of uh, CO2 into chemicals and uh, liquid fuels, and also the fixation of nitrogen to produce uh, fertilizers. And uh, these, these are topics we treated actually in other episodes of this podcast. Uh, for example, with uh, Sabino Longo, but also with our colleagues in Maastricht. And um, in this episode, I wanted to do something a little different. So to three, divide the episodes into three main parts and uh, just uh, to see the feasibility at three different levels, the scientific, technological, and economical feasibility of this type of applications. So the listeners at the end of the episode, ideally would have a, an overview of what is the state of the art of the research in this topic. So, but first, uh, let's say, before, the, before starting uh, diving into science, I would like to ask you how you became interested in uh, plasmas. And if you were one of the students who uh, were really focused only on plasmas or you had a broader like uh, interest. Yes, yes. So the, before I address that, you, you put the bar too high for me, but okay, we'll see in the end. <laughs> no, I was, um, uh, I, it was more by elimination. So I, I knew, uh, not very young, but uh, I knew that I wanted to study physics. It was clear when I finished high school that I wanted to do physics. So the system in Portugal is that you uh, apply to university. We have a limited places in each uh, uh, graduation, so you have to choose. And uh, because you may fail, maybe you are not accepted because the places are already filled. Yeah. You have uh, you are entitled to make more than one choice. You can I could make twelve choices uh, at a time, oh. but I only made three. It was physics in Lisbon, physics in Lisbon, and physics in Lisbon. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew I knew I wanted to do physics um, with uh, quite some certitude. Uh, and then uh, at the university, uh, I was excited by many things and got disappointed by many things. I remember I was eager to take a course in particle physics, for instance, oh. and then I did not really like it. I found it was uh, very... Uh, me neither. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it was really a bit by, by elimination. Some things are um, because you really dislike the topic or the, the, the formalism or, uh, you know, there is a, a sense of beauty somehow. Uh, so it's not only that it's easy or difficult. So yeah, there is uh, also some, if we can call aesthetic uh, beauty on the, the theory, on the mathematics. And some I like, some I did not like. Particle physics I did not like, for instance. Other topics, maybe you are more influenced by the, the professors that you have because, uh, okay, we are young, we cannot maybe distinguish so well uh, what is the professor, what is the topic. Uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, so I start eliminating and uh, I had, of course, very uh, inspiring professors on uh, these topics that uh, drove me to, to, to plasma physics. So, first, I had a uh, 
a very crazy but a brilliant professor on thermodynamics. Uh, maybe you know this story. I ended up writing a paper on thermodynamics with him. No? Okay. <laughs> Later on, I like 20 years. And actually, he knocked at my office door uh, like uh, 45 minutes before this episode. He's retired, oh, but from time to time. Um, I, it does not mean anything to the someone who may be listening, but I will tell his name. It's a professor Hudeg Labreau is a really very, very brilliant professor. And then in, uh, in statistical mechanics, I had uh, the oh, yeah. former of our group, Professor Machu Ferreira. Mm -hmm. uh, he was uh, at the time a, a brilliant professor. You know, um, now we are all very keen on how to teach uh, this uh, methodology and so on. Yeah, yeah. He would fail everything because he was arriving at the class with, uh, at the time, it was something you project on the screen, and it was just the, the copy of the book. <laughs> with a copy of the book, with some underlined sentences. Of course, this was irrelevant. You, we could not read what he was projecting. <laughs> but uh, then what he was, uh, the way he was speaking and uh, over, this was more for him not to get lost than for us. So it was uh, from all uh, textbook pedagogy, everything was wrong, but it was really very, very good. Okay. And I was very interested in kinetic theory mainly. Mm -hmm. This uh, irreversibility of time, all these things uh, excited me a lot. Okay. Um, yeah, probably something similar to you. So professors were important. And uh, yeah, then it was it. And uh, did, did you have to choose between a sort of experimental track or a theoretical track? At least we had uh, in Italy this, uh, you know, you are from one side or the other. And it's like, well, why can't I do both? You know, it's like. Uh, yeah, at the time it was not so, so, so much uh, clear that division. Later on, interestingly, it started becoming as you are describing. Uh, but at the time it was basically not a big option. So the laboratory here, was very poor um, so all the tradition of the team a little bit like the groups in italy from where you came from were more on the modeling and the theory and i also had a natural a more natural interest to it okay uh, but in fact it's a nobody believes the persons who know me in the community but i started my career in plasma physics doing experiments in france okay okay ah oh, wow okay <laughs> So my, my, this uh, Professor Machuvera sent me to France for a few months and that was my initial training. And then I returned and uh, went back. To yeah, yeah. But I think it's very important. It was very important also for me uh, when I was uh, doing my bachelor, you know, to see, yeah, maybe I'm doing some computational stuff, but it helps because in the other room there are people doing the experiments and I'm helping directly to that type of machine. And that, uh, you know, was driving me a lot uh, I think, um, you know, seeing that uh, there are real stuff going on uh, in a lab, uh, I think it's very important uh, after all. Yeah, and I, I also learned to, to, I hated this separation. I mean, uh, okay. we are physicists. The fact that I cannot go to the lab and align the lasers or tune the spectrometer or so on, doesn't mean I should not know how it operates and uh, what we can measure. So I should be able to go to the lab and say, why don't we try to measure this? And I know you have the correct laser or, or whatever. Then I cannot do it. 
Yeah, yeah. And I expect the same from the people that are in the lab. I mean, they can they can bring suggestions for our modeling. They can say, yeah, why don't you use this? Uh, sometimes they can even put technical details. Then they cannot go to our codes and code. Uh, or uh, maybe they cannot develop fully the theory. But um, physics is physics, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh, what is also fascinating for me is, you know, that physics, uh, you need to have this kind of feeling that uh, there are some things that are important and some things that can be neglected. And uh, also during my university, I met like really a few people, a few students or colleagues that had really this feeling. Also going to the lab and say, ah, you know, the experiment doesn't work because we have to turn this, this and this. And it's like, oh, I didn't thought of it. I didn't think about that. Yeah. It's, it's a very particular field. I think it's very different than mathematics where you start from the assumptions, from your definitions, and then you develop. Here uh, you have to make uh, you have to make a model. In fact, uh, what do we assume is important? Uh, how does this describe reality? It's interesting. I agree, I agree. and uh, in, in a sense, it's uh, 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 let's say a provocative way of uh, rephrasing what you said is that uh, we need to choose what to put in the model, exactly. and then in the end, it's not a surprise that the model gives what we what we expect because we have chosen. Precisely. So uh, exactly. I'm creating, of course, I'm making a caricature, but uh, somehow we are putting the solution from the start. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, in yeah. that sense, it's very different from mathematics. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, let's jump uh, actually into the scientific part. And uh, maybe starting from, I don't know, CO2 conversion, then we move to nitrogen. If you can uh, explain us uh, what are these applications, what is the, the aim, and who is interested actually? Who, who wants to buy that at the end? <laughs> Well, I think every human on earth probably wants to wants to buy it. Uh, so if I if I can start a bit from uh, from the beginning, uh, making or saying things that resonate with uh, all of us, we we are aware that uh, we might have a problem uh, with uh, global warming, climate change. Okay, the planet yeah. is starting to complain. Um, we understand that. Uh, the way we use energy uh, is putting a lot of stress uh, on the environment, on the planet as a whole. Um, and we realize, in fact, that the, the, we don't live in an infinite system. So uh, you are also physicists, maybe not all listeners, all listen, uh, sorry, uh, are um, physicists, but we understand from thermodynamics. Yeah, we start defining a, what is the system. And we like very much to to be in contact with an infinite system. So we can work on our small place and then there is this reservoir that takes care of everything. And we understand now that uh, uh, herd is very big for one person, but it's not an infinite system, yeah? So, uh, so this is the problem. So uh, energy needs to be uh, used in a certain way, in a good way. The words recycling are now uh, common and everybody understands but uh, that's it we understand we cannot just uh, keep we don't have a a, a a waste bin where we just put everything that we don't want so it will be there and yeah. it will come to us sooner or later so that's that's more or less the context um, then it becomes clear people start immediately thinking oh but we have renewable energy okay we have some yeah. we have the, the, maybe sea we have geothermal or we have wind we have a lot of things so let's take advantage of it. Okay, that's uh, fine. 
Uh, but, uh, of course, we are still far away from having uh, enough production to feed our needs. And also famous, famous problem of um, intermittency. So the uh, sun is not shining all the time. There is night, at least. Not all days are very bright. Uh, same with wind. Okay, so uh, we might have a... No, not might. We have a difficulty with... Uh, maybe the energy is produced... Uh, when we don't really need it or in a different place. So we need to think all these things globally. Yeah? How we produce, how we transport, yeah. and then very important, how we store. Because if we have a good opportunity, let's jump on it and get the energy, but we need to, to store it somewhere if it's not the, the correct moment or the correct place uh, to, to consume it. And this is, this is, this is the... the the energy. So up to now, I'm just saying very basic things that everybody can understand. Um, we then uh, probably most people will start thinking, okay, we have batteries, electric cars are now at fashion, we have a lot of things. So yeah, uh, batteries are interesting. So let me also say that I don't believe in magical solution. Uh, so I don't think okay, that yeah, yeah, yeah. one yeah. thing that will revolutionize uh, maybe later, but now we need to take advantage of any <laughs> technology that I agree. can use. <laughs> I agree. And, uh, yeah, use it where it's good. Uh, so yeah, batteries are interesting, but we understand we have a lot of problems also. Uh, they are heavy. Um, they We have uh, lithium is also not uh, available uh, worldwide. So we start having geopolitical issues for a start, which <laughs> With the situation, the political situation, uh, we understand very well what is implied. Um, and it's not very, very abundant in the end. So um, we have a problem also. Yeah. Okay, we can solve, we can use. Um, but, okay, energy does not stay in batteries also for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. uh, time constants, degradation of the materials. And it's heavy and big. So if we yeah. think, for instance, in an airplane, uh, we don't see it flying on batteries. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in need, the uh, some time, liquid fuels. Yeah. Maybe later, but uh, not up to I don't know 2050 for sure or something like. That. It will take. Uh, let me rephrase. For sure is a dangerous statement, but <laughs> not likely. <laughs> not likely. Uh, so yes, batteries are interesting, but but. Hydrogen is also, of course, uh, very much in, in mm -hmm. fashion. People start thinking on hydrogen. Uh, hydrogen is also interesting, uh, but it's dangerous. So it's uh, mm -hmm. flammable, it's volatile. Yeah, that's uh, true. You have to pressurize it uh, uh, or, or uh, keep it at very low temperature, I think, to transport. It's a yes. bit, uh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So There's yeah. a very low volumetric density as well. Also, so yes. So it's then you need like gasoline, yeah, exactly. So all, all these things. So yes, interesting. Another another possibility, um, and this leads the, to the next step, which is uh -huh. okay. But then maybe we can uh, we can bind hydrogen with some other atom and uh, okay. store it in that form. Yeah, and then the interesting candidates would be carbon and uh, nitrogen. Yeah. So we can bind hydrogen with carbon uh, and have hydrocarbons which in a plain english would be gasoline or variants of it mm -hmm. um, uh, so liquid fuels 
we can have just methane uh, as a replacement of natural gas, for instance, yeah, yeah. that would be a gas phase, not a liquid. And we can uh, bind with uh, nitrogen, so we yeah. can have ammonia, so NH3. Uh, and then we would have stored our energy uh, yeah, yeah. bound uh, in nitrogen. Uh, ammonia has a, a, another uh, interesting application which is uh, we would not be here without it because it's on the basis of the food chain it's uh, also oh, yeah true the, the main uh, building block for all fertilizers so uh, it's not only the question of energy when we think about nitrogen uh, fixation but it's also the question of food of eating and of uh, yeah yeah ammonia is is very very interesting molecule in fact uh, both for fuel i've read that for example people they want to use it in jet engines as a mm -hmm. as a liquid fuel but also as you mentioned in agriculture so i think it's really promising you know studying this type of topic anyway yeah, I think I also think it's very, very exciting. And of course, it's it's obvious, but uh, we need to say uh, that these technologies exist, but okay. the, the feedstock is uh, fossil. So that's uh, that's uh, we go back to the beginning of this long digression uh, on the topic. Uh, yeah, we can we can produce gasoline, we can produce uh -huh. ammonia, taking as a source compounds uh, fossil uh, elements. And that's the problem. So we want to uh, do the same chemistry based on uh, elements that are there that we would recycle. Uh, so to use the big sentences, we will want to mimic the operation of Mother Nature in a way. So yeah, okay, okay. the carbon cycles and so on, as, uh, as well the plants do together with animals and so on. And to, do not have to rely on digging oil or natural yeah yeah, yeah 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 so and, and then uh, so why using plasma so what can plasma provide uh, in fact and how can plasma be utilized in this chain that you mentioned mm -hmm. so yeah we assume that uh, uh, we don't need to discuss what the plasma is eh? so no we... no 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 i think we can <laughs> <Okay>. go <laughs> go. <laughs> go directly yes yes so uh, more, more or less uh, in, a, in a simple way. So there is first a promise. Uh, it's a promise of uh, uh, high energy efficiency. So we we hope, we expect, uh, we see the potential uh, to do it in an interesting way um, because the plasma is a very uh, rich uh, environment. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, free electrons, we have uh, excited states, we have radicals, we have light, uh, photons uh, with many different uh, wavelengths or energies. So it's a big, big soup. When I teach uh, plasma physics on the first lecture, I used to say, you can do everything with plasma. <laughs> uh, and it's more or less true because uh, it's so rich that you will probably have uh, in this soup the particles with the required properties that you need for your application. The, the comma is you can do nearly everything, comma, but it's very seldom the best way to do it. <laughs> so it's not very efficient. Okay, you can find other ways to do the same things, but still it's a very rich system in this sense. Uh, and here the same. So we can uh, try to, to explore uh, different paths for for energy conversion that are not accessible on uh, 
let's say standard chemical uh, processes. So that's that's probably the main main advantage. Okay. Uh, it's also then, of course, uh, we were discussing these renewable sources and so on. Okay, we know that we can ignite our plasma without uh, inertia, so to say. Uh -huh. If we have energy, we turn it on. If we stop, we turn it off. So not nothing uh, similar to, for instance, the, the the problems with the nuclear power plants that everybody are aware uh, is aware of. So if we need to uh, stop, we stop. We don't, we don't need we don't have a problem that uh, the the reaction continues or whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's also uh, in principle not too difficult to scale so uh, if we have a, a good prototype then it's possible to bring it to to industrial scale in principle so there are no okay okay me Maybe we can. I would like uh, like to stay, as you mentioned before, like into the like scientific part, for uh, for example. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're also developing models uh, to better understanding of this type of plasmas. Uh, uh, yes. So, w what are the unknowns that you you think we still have to to face? So, what is unknown? Where should we? Where is the research going? In your opinion? Yeah. So um, uh, we, we in this in this system, so we, we have a lot of different processes going on. So if we start from the beginning, of course, electrons are gaining energy from the electric field, and then they will start transferring it. That's what we want. Mm -hmm. But they can they can do it in many different ways. So we can uh, just uh, break the molecules. So CO two in this case, it's an important uh, molecule. Um, that then we would mix with the water or whatever to ah yes yes because of nit nitrogen yeah. Yeah. or nitrogen um, so but anyway the the, the electrons start need to somehow arrive at breaking the molecule and they can do this directly just collide and break the molecule okay. but these are complex molecules so for instance they can also collide and put the molecule to vibrate and then we need to understand how this uh, vibration energy oh, yeah. is further transferred. So is this good? Is this bad? Maybe we are smart enough to take advantage of it. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can also, with a bit more energy, instead of putting the molecule to vibrate, put it in an electronically excited state. Mm -hmm. Similar questions. Can we take advantage of this energy that is stored on the electronically excited state or not to arrive at, uh, in the end, uh, dissociation? Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you, you will guide me if I start to divagate or, or um, <laughs> sure, sure. Away, <laughs> moving away from the, the so the, and the, are, are these, uh, of course, I mean, we, we have to build a model and I was also, hmm. you know, working a bit on that and so on. And, uh, do you think we have a deep, uh, solid understanding of how these processes occur that we can model it, uh, accurately, or there are still things that, uh, we have to investigate regarding the gas phase chemistry. Yeah. No, there, there, there are. I mean, the, the answer would be uh, something uh, a bit stupid, like yes and no. Um, okay. So yeah. uh, I think compared to the global view of the problem, mm -hmm. we know already a lot of things. Uh -huh. But in the detail and if we really want to optimize and to find the proper conditions and so on there is still a lot of uh, work to be done mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, it goes from the very beginning, eh? so from uh, dissociation. Do we know with some confidence the, uh, that's the true. protection for dissociation by electron impact? So let's put it exactly. in the words, the probability that the molecule dissociates when the electron collides. The answer is no. We have an idea, which is not too bad. But to know it well, to have certitude, eh, no, we don't. So we start from the very beginning, from um, uh, these uh, elementary data that we need to run the model. And then it only becomes more complex. Do we know exactly the pathways for transfer from vibrations among themselves yeah, yeah. or to dissociation? Uh, we have an idea, but precisely, no, we don't know. Um, is this hindering uh, development of a zero order picture? Uh, zero order, not, but uh, first order, probably yes. Um, okay, this is very, very interesting. So, what do you think? Let's pick, uh, I don't know, a, a type of discharge. I don't know, my microwave, for example, or uh, DC glow discharge. You, you, you can pick. What do you think is like zero order based on the current knowledge? Maybe, you know, in a few months, there will be a paper revolutionary in the field and we don't know, right? But what do you think yes. it's, a, it's a zero order approximation that we should know or first order or second order? Mm. Yeah, so... Uh, um... Okay, so let, let's do it. Let's do it in step. So, uh, just a prior a prior comment before before addressing the question. You you put okay. Let's start pick whatever DC microwave. Yeah, yeah. So there are many different types of discharge, uh -huh. and that is also part of the richness of the system, uh, because important parameters here will be uh, uh, let's say the reduced electric field that we have in the end. So let's put the external force uh, that is driving our electrons. And then it's associated with uh, also the number of electrons. So the energy of the electrons and the number of electrons that we have. And by choosing different uh, types of discharges, of course, we can modify in different ranges. And these different ranges, okay, you know this very well. It's uh, We will favorize different physical or chemical mechanisms. So if we if we pick a microwave discharge, for instance, okay. as you were you were saying, mm -hmm. we are in um, in a regime uh, depending also on the pressure at which we. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's say that we don't want to to be too far away from atmospheric pressure. Okay, we can decrease it a bit, but uh, everything is spending energy. So let's uh, compromise should be should be um, found if we go to the typical operating conditions we are in a regime where the discharge operates uh, quite thermally so it's uh, quite warm uh, uh, yeah, so yeah. it's not a huge uh, departure from uh, thermodynamic equilibrium of course okay. there is always yeah, yeah but it's course. a more more warm discharge so this uh, it's not standard chemistry, but okay, these processes that we know from chemistry, yeah. uh, driven by temperature, they are they are playing a role. So zero order would be uh, would be to have an envelope of the power transfer okay, that ends yeah, up yeah. in the dissociation, something like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we would need okay. Uh, you have also a work. Uh, by yourself uh, uh, on, on this topic is then how long do these uh, 
dissociated products survive because then mm. the second step is of course uh, we need to break the molecules in the soup and then we need to extract what is yeah, useful yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which uh, in this uh, case is typically if we separate the oxygen we are already fine but okay. okay we need to probably separate better or to have other access to other products uh, but that's a first uh, a first step so zero order i would say that it would be something like this so to have a okay a notion of um, how much power you put in your system how much ends up in dissociation mm-hmm. yeah how much then uh, this gas phase chemistry is affected by the boundaries by the yeah, yeah. walls of your reactor and so on and uh, how much of the products can you actually separate and, and extract okay um, that's uh, that's that's very interesting oh, uh, yeah. you also mentioned electronically yeah. excited states i mean of course it depends on pressure power and whatever i think it's it's very interesting also in the microwave discharges in my opinion also at higher pressure uh, rather i mean we, we focused a lot on vibrational kinetics that is for sure important but in my view, it's almost like a second order approximation in microwave and first order would be electronically excited states. But maybe I'm wrong, you know, there, there, there is research probably to be done in, into this topic uh, still uh, that we don't know. Maybe I, yeah. yeah. And no, then, I, I, I like your comment because, uh, sorry, 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 to go on, go on. No, 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 no I just... Uh, <laughs> No, I, I, I like the comment because, uh, um, well, historically, our group started working on CO2 when okay. the community was um, uh, very much focused on this vibration excitation. Yeah, exactly. And it was really not uh, uh, like a, a conscient decision, like uh, since everybody is doing this, we will do something different. That was not the case because we also started by looking at uh, vibrations. But we we always from the beginning, and I remember the first group meetings on on CO two, we we had the notion, okay, we will not just repeat what the other groups are doing. We need to to find a different angle to to look at the problem. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know the, the the system very well, so you understand. So people were thinking already in quite the zero order view, going up yeah, to the yeah. association with the simplified kinetics for vibrations, but complete with everything, simplified, but complete. And we then decided, okay, we will make it incomplete. So we will not address all vibration levels. We'll concentrate just on the first steps of energy transfer, but we will study it in a lot of detail. Okay, uh, okay. And that was our initial approach. But very quickly, the, the main, one of the main messages from the research in our team and uh, together with the uh, of course, uh, other colleagues we collaborate abroad okay. was this that the electronically excited states, yeah. at least for the conditions we were using, are probably more important than vibration states, or at least as important as uh, as vibration. Yeah, states. yeah. Then of course you're right. Uh, it depends a lot on the condition. Even if you have pulsed uh, or uh, continuous wave or this kind of stuff, uh, I totally agree. And also, it's very fascinating, for example, this high gas temperature combined with electronically excited states, 
in my opinion, I suppose you have an equilibrium in the population of electronically excited states. I think this is very interesting problem. So you have a gas temperature, the energy, thermal energy is comparable with the excitation energy, more or less, mm -hmm. of some metastables of oxygen, for example, or so. And um, it is interesting what happens. How do you model that, for example, also in terms of thermodynamics? So, and it's not trivial, I think, uh, type of problem. Of course, you can always make assumption, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we uh, the, another another path that we followed. Uh, okay, it's, it's related. It's not it's not exactly the, the same, uh, but it's that um, because of of this question that after the zero order, how we tune, how we okay, really. Yeah. And get certitude. So we were trying to to isolate the spe specific aspects of the kinetics. So to find conditions yeah. where, let's say, only ideally only one process is at play, and then we could study it. And then if we know it, then we can complicate a little bit our system. So we were trying really to to look into different um, configurations where we could isolate. For instance, okay, now we just look at metastables. Okay, we cannot. We could not do exactly that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Uh, but 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 as a as a principle, that's what we, we try to do. If we find this is important, okay, let's try to eliminate all other things. We can yeah. never, we can never. But uh, with the model, we can. But of course, we need. Uh, going back to the beginning yeah. of the session, we need to to go to the lab and to to speak with our colleagues that are there and see what is realistic or not. To, okay. I use the expression to make the judgment of reality. Yeah. So that uh, up to okay, what, okay. what point our model is actually uh, describing so, real. Yeah? From the uh, technological perspective, so which type of discharges you think uh, are the most uh, promising? Of course, different discharges may have different peculiarities. Uh, different characteristics. Um, yeah. So suppose, suppose, okay, suppose you have infinite money, you can build your lab or whatever, and you have to choose uh, one or two types of discharges that you can bet everything. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so I, I will give maybe a non-orthodox answer. <laughs> uh, I would for sure uh, have a RF uh, reactor. Okay, uh, why? Because um, uh, microwave is very promising. Uh -huh. uh, but it, it's probably uh, if we ask people in the field, a microwave will be uh, a first or second uh, type of uh, excitation that uh, people would mention. Uh -huh. Because, yeah, it's promising. Yeah, we, we just discuss, okay, thermal energy is important. It helps. Vibrations are still there. Metastables are there. Okay, we, we maybe, then maybe we don't need to change that much the conditions to benefit from one mechanism or the other um it's also very versatile and okay experimentalists will kill me but i would say easy to operate compared okay. with other <laughs> compared with other is relatively easy to to operate uh, but this means also that it's studied by many many groups um around yeah. the world rf uh, i find it potentially uh, as interesting as a microwave. It's more difficult to operate. Yeah, tuning is a nightmare, uh, matching the power. Okay, it's, uh, it has a different technological uh, challenges. But uh, if, we, if I put myself in an ideal world where, okay, someone very skilled 
put this discharge to operate. Mm -hmm. I think it has a very interesting combination of this electron density, uh, reduced electric field, the gas temperature that will be operating. It's also a discharge that you can excite without um, electrodes in contact with plasma, so we can excite all the outer electrodes or other yeah, different yeah. ways, and that's good for uh, the lifetime of the the device in the end. Uh, yeah, because I like, I like I like RF. I, I like okay. RF. Oh, interesting. Uh, I, I use probably see if we if we, we could and it would make sense to to build a, a okay. RF. Uh, uh, discharge in the plasma. Uh, sorry, discharge in the lab. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's very interesting. Okay, I would have uh, many more questions, but maybe your time I have to cut. Uh, <laughs> I'll ask you in, in uh, another time. Um, and what do you think? So you mentioned already some separation. So in plasmas in contact with surfaces. So for example, uh, I know people they start to investigate the use of membranes, for example, for extraction of oxygen. And what is our understanding of that? Uh, do you think it's a promising technology, actually? Okay, even that, maybe with microwave is a bit difficult because of the high gas temperature, right? Or uh, Maybe, maybe, but um, if we want to, to pursue the plasma a path to, to engage in these problems of uh, um, producing hydrocarbons or ammonia or methane, uh -huh. uh, with renewable sources, we cannot avoid this uh, this question. We have to find a way to do it. So it's probably the the, the current bottleneck. So the, the biggest challenge is probably there. Um, it looks interesting. Uh, it's uh, it's also possible to to operate it in many different configurations. So you are right. Okay. If we put it in the microwave because in principle we want to put these separation membranes close to the plasma to benefit from uh, electrons, ions, okay, whatever temperature. <laughs> but some maybe it's too high. Uh, but then we can try to put it further away. You, we yeah, have to, to find the design. Like it's always the same. Uh, compromise uh, where we have an optimal um, operation point. So for now, this technology still does not exist. Okay, uh, you worked in DIFAR for a while. It's probably the leading institute in uh, developing this technology. Uh, I was there just for a few months. Uh, they are our friends, but they will not uh, uh, be met with us if we say that the technology does not really exist yet. But they have a lot of interesting results. Um, and uh, I would say that uh, compared to the initial expectation so before you go to the lab you were asking me okay if you want to buy a machine what would you buy mm -hmm. i just said like that but then if you really said okay now i give you the money are you going really to buy it okay then i would have to to okay. discuss with my colleagues sit down make the estimations redo uh, this yeah wave handing numbers back of the envelope calculations see and in the end if we were convinced that uh, the numbers would add up then we would go for it Mm -hmm. And um, the, I think this is what's happening with uh, this membrane technology. So these initial uh, ideas, estimations, okay, people, it's a risk, of course, because it does not exist, it has not been done before. But these initial uh, numbers, this back of the envelope calculations, these estimations, they are still valid after all the research that has okay. been done. And that's what um, makes me uh, optimistic.
Okay, okay. Is that a lot of work has already been done, and we still work on the basis of the same estimations that were made on the beginning, meaning that there was no discovery like, oh, this cannot go. Oh, uh, finally, we overlooked this. Or, or, okay, no, technological challenges are there, scientific challenges are there. Mm -hmm. But at least up to now, uh, there is no indication that these hopes uh, from the beginning that led people into this research um, will not materialize. So I'm yeah, yeah, I am. rather optimistic. Yeah. And another, uh, well, we, we talked a bit uh, about this nitrogen fixation. I think it's, it's interesting in the sense of a sort of decentralized approach uh, with respect to other bosses. It's also an advantage. Uh, uh, in my opinion, it's not only, you know, the CO2 that is emitted by the process, but mm -hmm. you, you offer a different technology. So it can potentially enter into a different uh, market. And from an economical point of view, so I'm interested not really in terms of money, but really in terms of more energy efficiency of these processes. I think there is still a, a long path uh, to go. But um, so what is the energy efficiency typically of, uh, yeah. for example, CO2 splitting uh, or uh, for nitrogen fixation? Yeah, so, uh, I also I'm a very I have a very anarchic uh, position uh, here, uh -huh. and everybody will okay. say that I don't live in this world because I I would say that we are not uh, that far, but of course we are very far uh, in 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 the real world. So uh, energy efficiency for um, CO two splitting, let's put a round number should be around fifty percent. Okay maybe a bit less, around, around 50%. Then we need to add uh, efficiency for separation. Then we need the losses in, in the system. Okay. Mm -hmm. But this gives a, a, first, a first number. Uh, it, there is, a, we, we did not discuss this, but there is, a, of course, this trade-off between um, energy efficiency and the conversion. And the yield, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we can uh, dissociate a lot of uh, CO2 or nitrogen at a very high energy cost, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or we can dissociate very little at a very reasonable energy cost. So um, again, it's always compromised. So we need to find where we want yeah. to operate. But it's uh, a bit meaningless to, to try to find this point without including the full process, without including separation and maybe I see. Compression. If we need, okay, we need to make the optimization for the global system. So it's a bit pointless to to find, let's say, a plasma source that has the wonderful compromise between yield and efficiency in the gas phase. Uh, yeah, because you have to consider <laughs> all the other stages. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Exactly. True. Our but that, uh, yeah, that is a, sorry. That is a, also a little bit out. Outside, you know, I think you need the kind of techno-economical studies uh, of that. It's not only scientific, probably. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I think so. I think so. I was going just to say that our common sense, uh, but it's common sense, uh, it's, uh, suggests that maybe on the gas phase, we should unbalance a bit more to the yields than to the energy yeah. efficiency, because that, that will favor the separation for example uh, i agree i agree okay that's uh, uh interesting yeah and then i would say to put to put round numbers okay maybe i'm missing the, the number but i would say that uh, if we would need to produce these um, fuels or uh, ammonia 
for fuels or for uh, uh, fertilizers uh, tomorrow okay we don't have the the infrastructure yeah. to, to produce in large scale but we could probably uh, produce fuels or energy i would say something like the factor of two or three more expensive than what we pay now uh, maybe i'm exaggerating on the optimistic side but i don't think i'm failing by much mm -hmm. Of course, if you are a politician or a someone working in an energy market, you would say, well, come on, you are far off. <laughs> because yeah, 5% more expensive is already a lot. Uh, but but uh, the image I want to say is that, um, okay, it's not like we are a factor of 100 off. Uh, okay, okay. If you would think uh, this uh, as a... I, I use the, the, the expression as a computer game. Yeah, You have a, a planet to save uh, and you are the master of the world. Uh, then you could do it. I mean, you would say, I can afford paying an, a, a my energy uh, three times more. Of course, yeah, this is not a computer game. Of course, there are many interests. We understand that this is completely unrealistic. Uh, but it's to give also an optimistic message that it's we are not really uh, we are off but not way off yeah i agree i agree and uh yes so so there are maybe a, a couple of things uh, in fact uh, so first i mean the, the cost i'm also not not worried on the energy efficiency i think uh, there is a lot of improvements that can be done it's true that uh, maybe we are competing with other technologies like electrolysis or catalysis. Um, and so if people have to decide where the investment go, this is an important parameter that we have to consider uh, to try to optimize. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, let's use uh, artificial photosynthesis or something else. <laughs> and um, But... Uh, uh, I agree. So plasmas offer other advantages, uh, such as uh, this decentralized approach uh, and so on. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have to transport, but you can produce in situ, then you also save the money for the transportation, for example. Mm -hmm. Or um, if you can produce something that is specific for the things. Uh, for agriculture, I can have immediate example. If I am producing some crops and you can produce the exact fertilizer that I need to grow my crop more or my vegetables more, then I'm willing also to pay more, you know, and not yeah. to buy the synthetic fertilizers. Yes, so it yes. depends, I think, uh, you know, this market uh, economy. I'm not an expert as well, but uh, it's interesting. No, no. I think uh, plasmas can have a way to go because there are not so, we don't have many alternatives that are ready. That's the point. It's true. And it, it's again, the, 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 this notion uh, we were discussing in the beginning of uh, that there is no magic solution uh, yeah. uh, on the horizon. Uh, uh, so we need we need to take advantage of everything that can work and that can help. Uh, so maybe in the end, uh, plasma will not play this big role of uh, mainstream uh, that for a moment we were here anticipating. Um, but uh, yeah, as you as you say, it can be uh, on a, a, a local solution. On a, uh, it, it, I think everything will play a role. Everything that can store energy will play a role. Yeah, uh, yeah. Everything that can convert these hazardous molecules 
uh, CO2 was the example we were using here, it will be will play a role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think so. I mean, of course, here we are diverging a bit from the main scientific point. Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact that I, I don't think it's useful to think that we have we are changing the chemical industry, for example, because it's a bit unrealistic. People invest billions on mm -hmm. that. Yeah. But I think there are other markets that are, for example, in developing countries where these technologies can be useful. You you can have, a, for example, a different type of economy that you, you, for example, in developing countries where you can have your electricity from the sun or from the wind that power your plasma and you produce in situ all the resources that you need, your fuel, your fertilizer and so on. So I think there are different type of markets that will open in, in the future where even a bit less efficient type of system are the only solution probably. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I, I said I said once this that uh, uh, we we can afford not to be uh, efficient if we produce there. I mean, if we just take the sun and we produce there, we can afford not to be efficient. Of course, then uh, you know uh, our colleague uh, uh, Gerard van Hoy he told me, no, Vasco, you cannot afford not. So in a, yeah. in a sense we. But in a sense, we can. In a sense, we cannot. We cannot. The, the parallel is not good because we are aiming for a bit more than that. But um, it was some people had already this conscience, but COVID made it more acute. Okay. For instance, okay, I don't buy now uh, apples that came from uh, Chile or Australia or or China, not even Spain. I, I buy apples that are produced. <laughs> Not to support our economy uh, directly as a principle that I'm supporting econ our economy, but uh, on this view that, okay, the resources are local. This is the price that these people need to, to put the product on the market to make it profitable. So if I buy cheaper something that came from Chile, something is not right here. <laughs> something yeah. is not right on this process. And I don't want to to discuss now the organization of the world, uh, but I feel I feel this, and uh, I don't want to find where if someone is to blame or not. I just understand that this producer that is growing apples on the next dollar <laughs> cannot put it on the market more expensive than someone yeah. that has all this. So it's uh, maybe a, not a very good metaphor but similar in a way that what you were saying yeah i can produce there my fertilizer maybe it will in yeah, yeah. in absolute terms a bit more expensive but yeah you don't have to transport you don't yeah. pollute uh, you don't put uh, co2 in the air from the transportation there are a lot of uh, related issues yeah. mm -hmm. so I, I share this view that uh, although it's not uh, uh, acceptable for, uh, as you were saying, the chemical industry that we can afford to to pay a bit more, I think. Okay, okay. In, in, some, in some cases, yeah, in some cases. Uh, I would like uh, to conclude uh, also the episode with uh, a little bit of discussion about the scientific culture, if I may. So suppose you have to hire a new collaborator. What do you look for? Uh, especially so you have the cv and so on and what are the key aspects uh, that you look for mm -hmm. uh well it, it it also depends on which level of course yeah so uh, yeah. let's say that i'm uh, i want to hire someone to 
to stay in the group for a while. Eh? Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, let's put someone more or less your age. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> like you, like young uh, young researcher. Exactly, young exactly. Researcher, yeah, yeah, young researcher. Um, no, there are um, there are many many things, of course. So there is, of course, a, a first uh, uh, analysis of the CV, the written CV. So without seeing the person, we see uh, where he graduated, uh, uh, where he has been abroad, if he has been abroad. Mm -hmm. uh, so what is his life oh, yeah. uh, experience somehow? Uh, uh, so and then, of course, we, you we will always see. Uh, the the publications he has made uh so i'm not okay there is there is a minimum that we need to have so after a while it does not matter uh so of course if if uh, someone came uh, after phd and maybe uh five years uh, postdoc or three years postdoc and came with uh, one paper okay i have to see if it is a very important one <laughs> maybe it is <laughs> But okay, one is not enough in general. So you see a bit the, the production. I'm not obsessed that there are many papers. Uh, uh, in fact, I'm not too good on that. So we don't publish a lot in our team. Okay, we publish. Uh, we, 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 don't, we are not ashamed to show our numbers, but okay. We, we take time to, to, to publish. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not really obsessed with the number. Uh, for young researchers, it's um, difficult to judge the work also on uh, citations, for instance, which is another uh, indicator that the community uses. Uh, but for a young researcher, it's difficult to, to, to use this number. So I would have to judge myself on the quality of the work. Okay. Uh, and then I would probably, not probably for sure, I would try to speak with the persons from the labs where these people have been to try to understand uh, um, how much of this work was from his own initiative, uh, how much he was oh, just yeah. uh, turning turning buttons uh, of something that was ready. Okay, these, these things are important yeah. uh, because you cannot evaluate this uh, on a paper. Huh? So you see the work is good. So if, if I'm convinced, okay, he publishes enough uh, the what he does is interesting for for us. Mm -hmm. uh, so then we go to the next step, which is to see to see a sort uh, of scientific independence. independence uh, let's say in a way. Uh, okay, yeah. okay, I see. In a way, and uh, then of course when you discuss with a person life, uh, yeah, yeah. Have, uh, also the feedback, uh, sort of human uh, yeah, type. Yes. Of, I see, I see. So we had a discussion with another professor actually in this uh, podcast uh, from the, the Eindhoven actually. Uh, about uh, this age factor or age index, uh, right? And uh, so she was saying, well, suppose uh, someone wants to be a good mentor, uh, good at teaching or a good communicator. Of course, this takes time that uh, you could uh, instead spend uh, writing papers, right? And But this is not immediately clear in the CV. So do you think... Uh, um, sort of, we, we should promote this type of activity. So those are really secondary, and first we should focus on publication. Uh, yeah, so that's a good, a good, a good point, and we could do a podcast just on it. I think. <laughs> yeah, <I understand>. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if I try to summarize, okay, if I would have to give advice to um, my students or postdocs uh, that are, let's say, struggling 
for in, in life to to settle down and to to have their positions i would advise to focus on publications okay publish a lot uh try to have impact uh okay do a bit of teaching uh not not a lot just to put a, a line in the cv on the teaching uh, to show that you are able to do it and then of course if you do it do it well because it's if you have a line but then someone goes and asks and the person says oh the lectures were terrible <laughs> so that's that's of course not good so if you do it you do it well um so the practical advice is that but I have a problem with, with this, really. So we, we, we go back to how uh, the scientific system and university system is organized, mm -hmm. uh, how easy or how difficult is the life of the young, a young researcher. Because I, I value these things that you said. Um, it's true that if you engage in a laboratory that is very active, yeah, exactly. it's likely that you can start by integrating in ongoing activities to, to have a good production um, and to then slowly gain your independence and take some risk do something that requires a different type of investment mm -hmm. uh, and this goes more or less smooth but this also means that we are hindering uh the out of the box uh, views uh, we, we for sure i don't have any in memory but uh we can prepare and, and search in uh, in e science history books it's for sure it's full of examples of people that uh, had their uh, breakthrough idea after 10 years of doing nothing or, or something like <laughs> okay. that of course it's 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 very difficult if if someone does not produce uh, that you keep uh, this person on the job or you are going to offer him a job so this yeah that's uh, the point. we understand this but um, some people are very let's say productive they are studying they are investing mm -hmm. on very difficult problems and then they come up with a with a solution mm -hmm. uh, and it's enough that they do this once okay yeah. example i told you i don't have example but okay plank for instance i exaggerate yeah. a bit Planck was quite old when he, he got his uh, quantum idea. He changed physics, as we know, but he was very modest. He, he was saying to his professors, no, I don't want to do any research. I want to study and learn because I love physics, uh, where I can teach, going a bit in the direction you were saying. And um, for my own egoistic pleasure, I want to learn and study. And then uh, somehow, uh, he, he solved a very important problem and uh, revolutionized the, the science. Um, I, I don't remember exactly. I think he was uh, maybe 45 or something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. He was not a young researcher. I mean, he had yeah, yeah. a career without any significant achievement. But this is, this is interesting. Uh, uh, what I feel, I understand that we cannot build the system for these persons. I mean... Let's not put a number if it is 95% or if it's 80% or whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the big majority of uh, people in uh, academia, uh, research institutes, universities, and so on, okay, they should follow this more classical view. Okay, they produce yeah. a lot. They supervise a lot of students. Okay, they give lectures also. 
then you can balance after a while. I think it's not good for a young researcher to uh, go too soon only for teaching. Yes, uh, yes. I think this, this is a more gradual process. I mean, you start with a bigger weight on research and a, a smaller weight on teaching, which can be there from the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think the natural tendency is that slowly uh, you will mm -hmm. start shifting to a yeah, bit yeah. more teaching. And, a, and of course, uh, although I like very much, you know, the romantic idea of having, you know, different yeah. skills and so on, it is true that... Uh, if you publish, you're kind of showing the community that you can produce, you can conclude the work, an idea that you had. Then, of course, some ideas may be more brilliant and may take more time. Some ideas are a bit more simpler, but you can conclude the work. And I think it's very important, not only in academia, but also outside, that you show that you start the work and you conclude. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, in, fa in fact, that's what I, I say to the big disappointment of my PhD students when they are about to finish. <laughs> uh, I hope no no younger PhD student uh, will listen to this podcast now. <laughs> I, I, I ask them, so what do you think the PhD degree works? So why, uh, as you are saying, if I hire someone, why do I want them to have a PhD? And it's not because they learned a lot on this topic. <laughs> And it's not because uh, they learn this uh, uh, measurement technique or so on. It's because what you said, because they have shown that they can focus on a very difficult problem for three or four years. Uh, they passed for sure many disappointments, many yeah, difficulties, and they were able to arrive to the end. <laughs> so that's what the PhD diploma works first. Yeah, yeah. Then, of course, all the skills, okay, if they have done the work on a topic that will be useful immediately, that's better, and so on, and so on. But the first, the first answer is that one, okay? This person can focus on a very difficult problem for three or four years, overcome all barriers and arrive to the end. This is the meaning, uh, the first meaning of, of a PhD diploma is, uh, is this. Okay. Okay. Um, with this, uh, I would like to thank you, Vasco. I think it's a quite long episode. So thank you for your time. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, we keep in touch. Okay. Bye. Thank you, Luca.